Lord, we do um, pray the prayer that we just sang. Change our hearts. Lord, make us more like you. Conform us into your image, we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Well, church family and um, visitors, guests, it's good to be with you. I'm Pastor Gina, and I've been on sabbatical um, for a season, and so this is my first um, Sunday back in the pulpit. And I just want to say that Pastor Dave and I co-pastor together. And um, as we've prayed and thought about this message, um, we've co-preached before. And so... um, I've given him permission, we've talked about this, and that if any point during um, the sermon, my co-pastor has some insight that would be helpful as I've been away for a period, um, I've invited him to just join me at any time. So I didn't want that to startle you because that's not a model that maybe we've um, seen that often before. And so I um, don't know if that's going to happen, but if something bubbles up, um, my partner's going to join me up here in preaching. So where have we been? Um, the Lord has had this church looking at a series of sermons on our identity in Christ. And um, beautiful thing that God did is that he was doing that kind of work in me on my sabbatical as well. And so really shoring up these great truths that we all need to be reminded and reinforced that God is with us that he is for us, that he loves us, that he holds us, that he'll never leave us, that he empowers and strengthens us. Those are some of the ways that he's been reinforcing that truth. And then last Sunday, we um, heard this sermon about our call as um, those who are children of God to be a royal priesthood. Remember that? And that we're standing in the gap that our role is to mediate between heaven and earth right now. That we do that um, by showing God's love and also um, primarily in prayer. So that when we see things that are happening on this earth, we're praying, your kingdom come. Right? Remember that? So that's kind of where we've been. And um, now we're going to um, continue but look at some practical application about that. And before we do, I wanted to invite you into a prayer that I prayed regularly. I prayed a written prayer in my sabbatical for community. And so um, it's a little bit more um, liturgical in that there is a um, part that is read by the leader and then all together we pray part. And so um, let me show you what I'm talking about, a prayer for community And so I would pray the part in yellow, and then together we pray the part in white, and then there'll be another slide and a few slides there. So this is, let's pray for our um, community and the Lord's blessing on it. Come, Lord, and rule. Come into our hearts and fill them with love. Come, Lord, and rule. Come into our minds and fill them with peace. Come, Lord, and rule. Come into our lives and fill them with light. Come, Lord, and rule. Come into our days and fill them with glory. Come, Lord, and rule. Amen. 
This morning we're going to be looking at the topic of overlooking offense. Identifying with Christ. And we're going to look at three passages of scripture, two in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. We're going to look at Proverbs and then we're going to look at Matthew. And so um, I want to say that just in, in before I read that passage, those passages of scripture, that as I was praying about what is this message that the Lord would bring in this first Sunday that I would be back to preach, I never dreamed that this would be what the Lord would bring. But um, he kept bringing to mind the title of a book, The Bait of Satan, a book that I actually had not personally read, but I had been familiar many years ago with that title. And that title of the book came back, came back, came back. And so I read that book. I listened to it on audio. I read it again last night in preparation for this sermon. And so um, Proverbs, a couple of passages in Proverbs. And there is a um, handout in your bulletin as well that has these printed And so looking at God's direction, um, starting with Proverbs 17, verse 9. Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. Proverbs 19, verse 11, a couple of pages over. A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. And then looking at the prayer that Jesus taught the disciples when they asked him, how do we pray? Let's look at Matthew 6, verses 12 to 15. And so of all the things that um, Jesus would think of, to teach us to pray whenever we pray, pray this way. And part of that prayer he taught us, and why don't we just read that out loud together. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you, I'm going to go on, for if you forgive other people, When they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. This is God's direction for us. I want to say that in one short sermon on overlooking offense... We can't possibly cover every situation. And there are situations that need particular wisdom. Um, If so, uh, let's say if little Susie took my gumball and I wanted that pink gumball and she got it and I have to get the green one, maybe I took offense. That's a little different kind of offense than if somebody was violently abusive towards someone else. And so there's different wisdom that needs to be had. And so um, there are pastors and care elders and prayer ministry partners and prayer inner inner healing prayer teams that meet during the week. And so 
if some of the things that maybe the Lord might show you have been offensive, that maybe you've taken offense in your life, if you need some help sorting this out, um, please, let's talk afterwards. This is, God's word is meant for us to apply and respond to, and so everything that happens, um, this maybe starts some conversation or carry on some conversations, okay? All right, so when we're talking about overlooking offense, this is God's direction to us. And um, I wanted to tell you about something I learned about when um, we were on a family trip down in Texas recently, um, catching crabs. Have any of you all ever caught crabs before? There's a couple of hands in here. Well, I was not familiar with catching crabs. But my adult children were really excited that the place that we rented um, had a crab trap and there was a little bay area that was available that that could happen. Well, um, so a trap to catch crabs is, um, in this case, there's different kinds, but this one was a box cage. And um, you can see that dark cage, it's like a cage within a cage. That's where the bait goes. That's like um, smelly fish heads or some chicken parts or something like this. Yeah, mm-hmm. Smelly, stinky stuff goes in there. I had to thaw some of it in this kitchen sink that we bought in a bag at the store for $2. It was I don't even know what parts, I don't know what was in that bag. But smelly, stinky stuff goes into that um, center trap and then in where the cage um, bait is. And that's hooked into the the bigger cage. And you can kind of see just a little bit, but on all four sides, there's little trap doors that the little crab can come walking through, and that little flap lifts up. And then as soon as the crab's in there, it flaps back down, and they can't get back out. So the door swings one way in and doesn't swing out. And so that is how these little crabs go into this trap because they smell this bait that they're attracted to. And um, would you believe they said, just go back in 15 minutes and check it. 15 minutes! And there were crabs already in that trap. And so, I hate to say it, but sometimes we get so, like we get a whiff of being offended And we just, like those little crabs, just go right in there, not realizing that if we get close to that and want to just stay with that, like that hurt my feelings, that bumped into me, whoops, all of a sudden, we can find ourselves in a trap that we were never imagining being in. Oh, how does that happen? Well, you may remember that um, a few weeks ago, Pastor Dave Jaleesa, Pastor Jaleesa preached several sermons on identity, and then Pastor Dave preached on um, King David. You remember the story of King David? Some, I know some of you were here and some of you weren't, but he gets anointed. He's going to be the next king, and then his life does not go anything like what you would imagine a normal life was going to go. If you're going to be king, you think, oh, well, I better move right into that palace and I'm going to be trained up and um, then, you know, I'll start to get more and more authority. Well, he moved into that palace and then he and Saul went out on some um, fights and then all of a sudden people started singing 
David's praises, and Saul got so jealous that then he wanted to kill him. He was jealous of him, and the one who was supposed to mentor him all of a sudden turns on him. He's jealous, and he turns on him, and he is trying to kill him. Do you remember that King David also, his son turned on him? you remember that? A chance to be offended all over again that now his son's out to get him and he's on the run and he's out going through, what? He's not in the palace anymore. His, he's out in the woods and he's out in caves and he's out trying to, to um, stay in a safe place. And he gets this band of um, kind of misfits followers and, okay, he kind of stirs them up and they'll be the ones that he'll give leadership to. But then they go out. And um, then they were going to go with the Philistines. You remember this? I'm, I'm kind of hop, skipping, and jumping a little bit. But just to remind you of some things where he could have taken offense. Okay, so he's living with his enemy, but he's going to be loyal to them then. And then all of a sudden, they reject him. No, you can't go out to battle with us. So they had gone out. They hadn't eaten. They had been um, so sleep-deprived. And they get back to camp And all of a sudden, their whole camp had been ravaged and all their wives and children had been taken off. Do you remember that? And what is David thinking then? And they grieve and they cry until they don't have energy anymore. You remember this? You remember that story? How exhausted we all felt thinking about how David must have felt. And yet he rallies, he seeks the Lord. And then all of a sudden he says, all right, let's ask the Lord. Does he want us to go get him? And yes, Let's go get them. But then so many of them were so exhausted they couldn't even go. So they've got this tiny little group to go up against their biggest enemy. I mean, how many ways could you take offense? How many people, like, you are too tired to go with me now? And this is your own, mother, your own wife, your own children that you are too tired to go get? But I'm willing to go and risk my life. Like, I just can't even imagine, but I can imagine And maybe you can imagine, too, how many ways David could have taken offense, not only at people around him, but maybe even wondering, Lord, what are you up to? This is not looking anything like what my life I thought was going to look like. There are many offenses that we could talk about how people mistreat each other or get hurt by one another in the world. But this is a picture of just in the pews. Or in the chairs here, right? How ways that we too might get offended with one another. Might not mean to bump into each other, but we get hurt. And um, just because I did not want you to think that I was standing up here and bringing up examples of something that you've shared with me or that I've observed. I went to the book's that I'm referencing, like the Bait of Satan and the one by Kendall, and um, looked for examples, all right? So nobody think that, oh, she's up there talking about my situation. All right, but um, in, the, in the book that he talked about different Christians in different churches and how we can get hurt from one another, a mentor or somebody that we looked up to has let us down. They didn't meet our expectations or our hopes. And all of a sudden, it's like that stinky bait. And like my leader, the one that I was really respected, they let me down. And we're tempted to go towards that bait of being offended. 
It doesn't mean that we're not legitimately hurt, but if we take offense means that we start to harbor anger, resentment. We don't forgive and bless them. Somebody in authority mistreated me or someone I love. How often can it be that sometimes someone has been mistreated? And I just want to say, if you come into any church, we're not perfect people. Jesus was perfect. And so we bump into each other's imperfections, and most often accidentally, but hurt each other as we try to figure out how to work together. Here's another one that comes up, a potential way that offenses happen. My gifts aren't being used when and how I offered them. And so the book talked about how that um, somebody offered to lead a study, I believe it was. And, um, well, that wasn't necessarily what was for right now. The church was kind of going in this direction. Oh, well, they don't need me. See how you, the, kind of all of a sudden there's this attitude of like, I feel hurt, I, am, I feel judged, and so therefore I'm judging back. Or maybe it's because we're families, um, and so maybe a parent hasn't been there for us, or somebody that we looked as a parent figure hasn't been there for us. Or, like Saul who asked David to come and play music, but it was to meet his own needs and then turns on him and he's not healthy enough to be the adult in this situation. Maybe there's been some kind of unhealthy dynamic where we came in to help, but then the person is actually not very healthy and it's an unhealthy relationship, an unhealthy dynamic. Have you ever been in or known of a situation like that? Are you tracking with me? A son or a daughter has broken your heart. Maybe they even lied about you or have turned people away from you. And so, or maybe it's hurt your reputation in some way and you take offense. And so that bait's sitting there and there's a trap around the bait. And if we just want to go and dwell in that hurt me and I'm offended, we can go into that trap without even realizing it. Maybe the ones like David are closest to you. They're worn out and they're just too weary to serve alongside and you feel alone and you feel let down. Sometimes that happens. Offense can be look different ways. Sometimes, oftentimes, when change of any sort happens, we can take offense. If all of a sudden we decided we don't start church at 10, we start church at 8.45 in the morning. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) We have to get up early? Or what? We changed it to later time? And who made that decision? That has hurt me. That has offended me. Or I don't think that's right. All right? Any kind of changes or changes on a team, or changes in roles. People can feel left out. They can feel overlooked. Seeds of offense, once they get rooted, 
it can grow up into bitterness. Remember how Pastor Dave had talked about in one of the messages, he talked about how that we might um, be hurt, but then if it starts to fester and we get angry and then we want to point fingers or blame, you can pretty much recognize that you've gotten snagged by this trap. I want to remind us that Proverbs 17 said, Whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates friends. And so if I believe that changing the time of the service, and I'm not saying we're even thinking about changing the time of service. This is just a hypothetical. All right? But if we change the time of the service, and you felt like that was wrong, and that really offended you. And then rather than covering it over, let love just cover over a multitude of sins, cover it over. There's other people that are in charge and they're making these decisions and I'm going to submit to their leadership. If you instead said, um, hey, I'm feeling really hurt about this, that we're going to start church at 845. And would you just pray about this with me? Do you see how... I just involved him in my hurt, and even though it was in a, caged in a request of a prayer request, how the, he might start taking up that hurt with me, like, yeah, I don't think so. Oh, and then um, you tell Alita, Alita, would you please pray about this? You know, and so Dane tells Alita, and then Alita's praying about this, and then um, all of a sudden there's a group that's gathered around some sort of an idea or an offense or something like that. And all of a sudden, we're not in sync together. We're not in unity together. And so, it's crazy as it sounds, I've even heard of churches dividing and splitting over things like where the organ was, or whether there was an organ or not, or a time of something or a particular kind of a program that maybe used to be effective and it got changed, but, oh my goodness, there were people who loved and poured their hearts into that program and they felt like somehow they were dishonored or that they they didn't have a role anymore. All right? So these are ways that we can take offense, and if we don't cover it over with God's grace, if we don't take it to the Lord, and I'm going to talk about how to do that in a little bit, These are ways that we can very unknowingly, and I'm not saying we're crabs, but it just was what came to my mind about how to talk about this. But all of a sudden, we go in and we're on our merry way swimming around, and suddenly we're trapped. And we can't get out, and we can't figure out what to do about it. But let me tell you something. This is really good news, that God gives us grace to avoid the trap, or to get released out of the trap. So we may not have entered the trap, and today the message is a warning. And for some of us, it's a call to be free and to, get, to let Jesus take you out of that trap. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation has overtaken or seized you. So no temptation to go in and take the bait of offense has seized you. Accept what is common to man. We all get tempted to get offended with other people. And God is faithful. He will let you, he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he'll also provide a way out 
the way of escape, so that you can endure it. All right? This is God's word to us. All right, so how do we avoid getting out of the trap? How do we not even get there in the first place? And um, I don't know, I just like this picture. I just thought, this is their early morning workout. All right? Um, Our early morning workout is to be built up spiritually. And so um, David, do you remember when he was exhausted and they had gone back and all the um, wives and the children had been um, taken and their place had been burned and it was just horrible and everybody was greatly distressed, it says in 1 Samuel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord as God. So when things are intense and when um, it's difficult, David found strength in the Lord. We don't know exactly how he found strength in the Lord or strengthened himself in the Lord was the more literal translation. But we do know this, that he was one who um, was a singer. He was a worshiper. And so I imagine that he probably turned to the Lord in worship. Maybe he pulled out his guitar, and maybe there weren't even words, but maybe there were tears and music for a while. He remembered who God was. He found strength in the Lord, his God. His God. And so he would repeat and remember that the Lord had said, I will be your God and you will be my people. He would remember the oral word, which now we have a written form of it, but he would remember the truths of the words that he had been handed down to him. This is what God said. He will be our God and we will be his people. He will remember that truth and he strengthened himself in the Lord. After he strengthened himself in the Lord, we see the fruit of that. In that he was able to overlook offense. He didn't get angry with the guys that couldn't, were too tired to go out. And when he came back, he didn't hold a grudge. He said, yep, we're going to separate, we're going to give out this loot evenly. Right? He wasn't holding a grudge. He was gracious. He was generous. He continued to follow the Lord. He didn't isolate himself. So often when we're hurt, we pull away. But he rallied the troops and let's go together to face this situation and try to get our families back. And so he showed mercy and this agape love that he grieved when he heard about Saul's death. Somebody who tried to kill him. And when he hears about his death, not only did he not kill Saul when he had the chance to do it, but when he hears that Saul has died, he grieves. He calls everyone to weep. As if it was their own mother. He had forgiven. He was showing love. To one that you would think you would call an enemy. But he says this is God's anointed one. Who am I? Who am I to judge this person? Who am I? God will judge. I'm to honor. I'm to respect. I'm to show that I am for that person. Because God's for that person. Strengthen yourselves in the Lord. David strengthened himself in the Lord. We can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. This was David's preparation. We didn't, you know, when we think, oh, David's being prepared to be king, all the lessons will happen in the palace. No. 
the lessons happen in life. And it was years of preparing. And the Lord's preparing us and he wants us, wherever you're at, if you're a believer in him, this is a season of preparation. And if it's hard and if you're bumping up against things, just know God's giving you a chance to grow up into your identity in Christ and to identify with Christ, to be more Christ-like. And so, Pastor Dave, when you preached on September 29th, you preached a sermon about, I am empowered and encouraged in the Lord. And you taught about four things that were very very specific ways that we could strengthen ourselves in the Lord so that why are we getting strengthened in the Lord? So we recognize the trap and we don't go in for that um, bait of offense. He said, he preached this, in faith we go to the word, we meditate on the word, we speak the word. We think about those things that we know are true and we go to the Lord to be strengthened. All right? He also preached, we will pray in the Spirit. We'll go to prayer. And prayer specifically, if you've got the gift of praying in a prayer language, pray in that Holy Spirit prayer language. He who prays in a tongue edifies himself. Praying in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit praying through you. Offering your tongue. And maybe you've never prayed that way before and there's going to be some teaching on this in weeks to come and months to come, whenever the Lord says it's time. But offering our tongues and saying, Lord, I don't know how to pray right now. Would you pray through me, Holy Spirit? Coming to the Lord in gratitude. Thinking of the things that we can be thankful for every day. This strengthens us to remember that there is things to be thankful for. Even if this is a hard situation or this relationship feels strained right now, I can be strengthened and know that I don't have to go to despair over this, but thank you, Lord, that you gave me another day. Thank you that I slept last night. Thank you that I had a blanket over me last night. Thank you that I um, had something to drink this morning or had something to eat this morning. Thank you, Lord, that I can go to church in freedom, that I'm not at risk of being arrested to come to church this morning. How many of you have something that you could say, thank you, Lord? Every day. Yes, say thank you, Lord. It's a way that we strengthen ourselves and remember the good things that are happening. He starts to encourage us as we strengthen ourselves in him in gratitude and also in worship. And yes, sometimes it is a sacrifice of praise. But he is always worthy of being worshipped. Every day, in every moment, in every situation, as hard as it may be. And I know some of you are facing hard situations right now and you may be thinking, I want to get mad. I want to get mad at somebody or I want to blame somebody or maybe I just want to get mad at God because life has just been a series of really hard things. Oh, friends, strengthen yourself in the Lord. Stay with what's true. Stay with what you know to be true and bring praise to him. If you if you need to, I was going to say go to your songbooks, but we don't have the written songbooks here anymore. But you know you use YouTube a lot. Um, you know, go to your playlist, put it on, and bring a sacrifice of praise and sing along, or read the words to the lyrics to some of the songs as your prayers, or go to the Psalms 
and just pray and sing. You can sing those songs. You know you can make up a new song? Yeah? You read those words and just put it to your own tune? Yes. We can strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Why are we strengthening ourselves in the Lord? So that we will receive grace from the Lord. And this passage, Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. How many of you know wisdom comes from God? Yes? Okay, so we've strengthened ourselves in the Lord so that we'll have wisdom and it'll yield patience. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. So I want to say, this is kind of the pattern I see. We strengthen ourselves in the Lord. He receives, we receive grace from him. Then we reflect his image in a situation and our actions will be consistent then with Christ. That's how we're identifying with Christ as we're looking to him, we're receiving his grace. Let me say a few words about this. Wisdom yields patience. And I want to say that wisdom is to live your life at a pace that's sustainable. So that, I don't know how many of you, but if you're running at a, like this speed, when you hit a bump in the road, it hits you more, right? Like, yeah? Yeah, you're going really fast on a bicycle. You hit a tiny little stone and, you know, your wheel goes crazy. All right. If we're living at this kind of pace and we hit an offense, we don't have the patience for it. And so a person's wisdom yields patience. And that patience means that we hold the ground. What ground are we holding? As believers, we're holding unity. All right. So a, pa- a person's wisdom yields patience that we're going to hold to the unity that God's called us to. It's to one's glory to overlook an offense. What is an offense? I just want to make it clear. It's either a genuine mistreatment or we think we've been mistreated when we really haven't. But we think we have. And perception can kind of seem to be reality. And so what's an offense when we've been mistreated or we think we've been mistreated or something we judge to be wrong has happened? We're making a judgment about it. And it says it's to one's glory to overlook. So look past it or look beyond it. Or I want to say look over it from God's perspective. Like when I looked at that box um, crab trap, I'm looking down and I see, oh, that's how it works. And I feel like the Lord would say, it's to your glory to look down over a fence and see how this works. That actually Satan wants to destroy our unity by putting this stinky stuff there and making us attracted to want to go towards it. Instead of to look past it to Christ and to his purposes in any situation. All right. Again, learning from David in the Psalms, it talks... In Psalm 35, he says, he's talking about people that have really mistreated him. And he said, they repay me evil for good and leave me like one bereaved. Yet when they were ill, I put on sackcloth and humbled myself with fasting. When my prayers returned to me unanswered, I went about mourning as though for my friend or brother. I bowed my head in grief as though weeping for my mother. So we see that David prayed for those that had mistreated him and that he had this agape love. 
And I want to tell you that um, a couple of strange or, you know, God things happened while I was on sabbatical. Um, one was I went to a church one Sunday morning and um, I woke up that morning and the Lord just impressed on me. You need to forgive somebody who hurt your um, one of your family members deeply. And I'm not telling you the specifics of it, but the Lord told me a specific situation that I needed to forgive. And I had never, I had thought about how hurt the person was. I never thought about that I would be angry with the person that hurt. You know, like I just was focused on the healing that needed to happen in this situation. And the Lord prompted me in my spirit, like, you need to forgive the person that hurt your family member. And I was like, oh. Okay, I'll think more about that. You know, and then I go to a church, this church I'd never visited before, and they go, well, I feel I've had a sermon, but I felt like I'm supposed to talk about scars and about forgiving people this morning, you know. And it's like, okay, Lord, I get it. I get it. You see, the Lord was showing me there was an offense, but that's the thing about offenses is that often we don't recognize that we've been offended. All right? Are you following me? All right. The second thing that happened on sabbatical is that I was reading a book and it um, led me to this place of feeling like, you know, I have forgiven a long time ago some things that were really hurtful, church experiences that were hurtful through the years. I know I've done my forgiveness work, but when I read this about David and his prayers, And that when the people that had hurt him were sick, that like he was like sackcloth, ashes, fasting, praying, grieving. And I see that royal priesthood, that call to be a mediator. And I thought, have I, do I have that kind of agape love? And so I listed every situation that had ever been hurtful that I came to my mind And made sure I had forgiven, but then I went back and I started praying blessings. Lord, bless them. Bless their health. Bless their current ministry. Bless this situation. Bless that. Bless what they need. Lord, would you show them um, your love? Would you pour out your grace? Like So I'm doing this royal priesthood, and we can learn from David how he prayed. And we can see our role in um, praying. We can learn from Jesus as we read this passage. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And so every time that somebody owes me one, oh Lord, I owed you a thousand and you forgave me and so I forgive the one. Make sense? We can learn from him. John Bevere says the man or woman who doesn't forgive has forgotten the price that Christ paid for them. On the cross. And so my prayer has been, Lord, would you give us a deeper revelation of what Jesus, you did for us on that cross? Because I've hurt people that I knew I hurt them, and I've hurt people that I didn't know. And he forgave me for all that. And so he loves us. And so with his love, we can turn and love others. What if we've already gotten in the trap? How do we even know if we're in a trap of unforgiveness, of taking offense? The signs that we look for, um, Pastor Dave, you talked about feeling like a lead apron of heaviness and despair. 
Sometimes we just feel heavy and we don't know why. And this is really interesting. R.T. Kendall, he said in his book about complete and total forgiveness that he had experienced a situation in a church and for years he didn't think he had any problem with unforgiveness. He didn't think he had taken the bait of offense. But it kept nagging at him or he kept thinking about it. Um, he never could quite break loose of that. It, it stayed on his mind. And one time when he was in a far different country, he thought, no, this is, I could talk to this one Christian leader who wouldn't have any knowledge of any of that because he didn't want to dishonor anybody, so he never talked about it. But he shared with this person, you know, this one situation happened. And um, anyway, and he was hoping for some commiseration, like, oh, yeah, ministry's hard. What he got was, you need to forgive and forgive completely. You've judged this situation, and you've not forgiven completely, because otherwise you'd have a peace about this. He said, that was a rebuke from a friend, and it was the best thing that ever happened to him, because he felt so much peace after he released. Let me just tell you a few other things, signs that you maybe have taken the bait. You're angry and you feel like you want to point your finger or place blame at somebody. You feel like something's eating at you. You feel like you're stuck or frustrated. You're just overly sensitive. You see yourself as a victim or you keep ruminating on it. You keep thinking it over and over and kind of justifying your feelings like I was right. Um, there's strained relationships. There's, you've got a wall up. You feel like you need to kind of protect yourself from more hurt. You just don't have peace. And finally, you might be having feelings of being tempted to leave a place that you know God sent you to, and that's where you were supposed to grow, but you just keep having these thoughts, like maybe I should leave. And so... There's a sample of a prayer of release. If you've gotten in the trap, a prayer of release, releasing people that you've held offense, and it's on your handout, um, and it's printed with permission from um, Charisma House. But it's a sample, and I'm just going to read this. Father, in the name of Jesus, I acknowledge that I've sinned against you by not forgiving those who have offended me. I repent of this, which means I'm sorry for this. I turn away from it. I turn away from that stinky bait, and I ask your forgiveness. I also acknowledge my inability to forgive them apart from you. Therefore, from my heart, I choose to forgive so-and-so for what they did, and you can name that thing. You can even say how it made you feel. Tell the Lord all about it. Bring your hurts. Bring your feelings you're feeling, because it really, a lot of times the fence hits those um, insecurities that we have. All right? So tell them everything about how you feel. I bring this under the blood of Jesus all the way they've done me wrong. They no longer owe me anything. I remit or I cancel their sins against me. And the way we can do that is because we know Jesus is the judge. And they're going to face him. So you're taking them off of your hook and putting them on God's hook. Heavenly Father, as my Lord Jesus asks you to forgive those who had sinned against him, I pray your forgiveness will come to those who've sinned against me. I ask that you will bless them and lead them into a closer relationship with yourself. Amen. 
And every time that maybe we're tempted to think about that again, R.T. Kendall said he just goes back and prays again for the Lord's blessing and forgiveness and, and um, grace to be upon these people that have been hurtful. Because this is our royal priesthood role. If we aren't praying for them, who is praying? Who is praying? Maybe they've got a blind spot and they just don't even know it. Who's praying for them? And the Lord would say, would you pray? Will you let it go? When This is an actual picture from our vacation, and this was a little blue crab that was in the trap. And my son went down to empty the trap. This was just catch and release. Thank goodness. Um, I didn't want to cook them. Um, The little thing would not let go. And he said, Mom, I worked and I worked to try to get that crab to let go and move it out of the door. And he said... He said, so I I didn't want to tear its arm off, so I just left it. It's outside the door. All it has to do is just let the pincher go, and it'll be out free. And he went back and checked it a little bit later. It was still hanging on. And again, he worked, and he goes, Mom, I think I'm going to kill the thing trying to get it to let go. He worked and worked to get that thing to let go. Is it possible that the Holy Spirit's been asking you and telling you, my blood, Jesus' blood has covered this. I've paid for the sins, not only that you've done, but that have been done against you or your loved ones. I'm trying to let you out of this trap. Will you just let it? Will you just let it go? Friends, there's a passage in Matthew 18 that talks about when someone is forgiven a huge debt worth millions of dollars, billions of dollars, I think it was, and, um, and they were forgiven, they pleaded for mercy because they couldn't pay the debt, and the king let them go free, canceled the debt, then they turned around and somebody just owed them 4000 bucks, And they were like, you're going to pay every, every dime back. And there was no mercy shown. And the king was so angry. He says, all right, I'm going to hand you over to the torturers. You're not showing my grace to the person that owed you. I'm going to hand you over torturers until you've paid every cent back. When we won't let it go, like that little crab was holding on to the cage and wouldn't let it go. If we won't forgive when we've taken offense, if we won't let it go, we get, Scripture says, we can be tormented. Because sin opens the way for the effects of sin eventually leads to death. We can even be physically sick from unforgiveness. I can't tell you how many times as a nurse people had high blood pressure, but really they were hanging on to unforgiveness. There was forgiveness work they needed. Not only might we be physically sick, we might emotionally stay sick. Spiritually, it opens the door for the enemy to harass us. If you're being harassed, 
Have you thought about whether you're hanging on to an offense? The Lord gives us a way out. Jesus said he wanted us to be in complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you've loved me. Why is this so important that God would even allow his beloved children to suffer torment if they're hanging on to unforgiveness? It's because the church is on mission. We're to represent the love of God to the world. And if we have fractures, if we have things that are pulling us apart, if we are not truly agape love with one another, we're hurting the witness to the world. It's very, very serious, and that's why he calls us into complete unity. I don't know, a few years ago, Pastor Dave and I co-preached a sermon together. And in that, we were talking about unity, and we are talking about rowing together and how a crew team has to row together, right? The same cadence, right? And there's kind of somebody calling it, you know. And so I think it was something like, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. That we would so much surrender and submit our, our will and our feelings to him so that we would say, Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. And we would row together. And we wouldn't let anything or any situation separate us or pull us out of cadence that we wouldn't work against each other. As we grow as a church, we've established, as we grow, guests, I don't know, you're here because God called you here this morning, and I pray that he speaks directly to you. But he's calling us to row together, not only as a congregation, but as we're part of the bigger church. And he's calling us to row together. And, you know, sometimes we're in that honeymoon phase, like everything's good and whatever. But when we actually start really rolling up our sleeves and working together, we can bump into each other a little bit, right? And the weak spots can kind of get bumped. And the touchy spots, the parts that, like, I get offended a little easily or whatever, because we're tired and we're working. But I want to say that the Lord is calling us to make every effort to live in the bonds of peace, to love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins and it is by our love that the world will know that Jesus is real. Let's pray. Lord, um, we thank you for your love. We thank you for the forgiveness that you've extended to each of us. Lord, forgiving our sins as far as the east is from the west. Lord, I thank you that you give us your Holy Spirit and you give us grace to be able to extend that love and that grace to others and that forgiveness. And so, Lord, if there's any way that we are harboring a resentment, that we've taken offense, that we've gone to that stinky bait and thought that we'd snuggle up to that for a while. Lord, take us out of that trap. Lord, show us where we maybe have taken the bait. And Lord, would you bring freedom? Because Christ, it was 
for freedom that you set us free. Lord, help us to let go of any pinchers, anything that even a little bit that we're hanging on to that's keeping us from the full freedom and peace that is our inheritance in you. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Church family, Pastor Gina invited me to join her in preaching. And while I didn't stand up, I do have a very small thing on my heart that I want to share as sort of a pastoral P.S. to the word that she brought us this morning. Um, Overlooking offense does not mean that we stuff painful feelings. I can't tell you in 10 years of pastoring how many times I've had someone in my office or sharing with me that has poured out their heart of hurt and grief or misunderstanding and I have said, have you talked to so-and-so about that? Have you asked them what they intended? Have you named what you're feeling? And they've said, no. And I've said, well, how about doing that? And the thought of doing it is really, really intimidating. And I think that's because as I process, we just have not had very many models for emotionally healthy conflict or conversation. So um, Pastor Gina has given us excellent counsel in overlooking offense, but maybe before we get to the point of being offended, we need to learn how to talk to each other more deeply, which means bringing out onto the table those things that we wonder about that could be hurtful but we aren't rushing to conclusions about and so if if i'm naming for you something that is familiar if you think it's really intimidating for me to go to another person to say when you said this or when you did this i felt this way and you name your feelings and could we talk about it if that feels really scary Let me just connect all this to the whole Identity in Christ series. This is why we want to grow such deep roots in the love of God and Jesus Christ because they provide the foundation of security where it stops being intimidating. It's not easy, but it stops being intimidating and we can go to anybody at any time and have these kinds of emotionally honest and healthy conversations. So that's if, if you're in a place today where those kinds of conversations are hard, that's something that you would bring to one of the pastors or the care elders or maybe to prayer ministry. But the Lord wants to strengthen each of us in his love so that offense, we're really, really slow for that to happen because we can have these types of conversations. Okay? So let me now, that being said, let me now bless us. Brothers and sisters, in the Lord Jesus Christ, may the Lord himself bless you to grow up into his love, his wisdom, his patience, his perseverance, and his forgiveness. Amen.